0: Well, I imagine we've all seen the commercials. You're out there someplace, and you're wondering if there might just be a restaurant nearby that could take a reservation for four, and you're wondering how you'd know. Or maybe a song comes on the radio, and you're hankering to know who the artist is, so you can go back and order that song for your own personal collection, and you wonder, how could I do that? Or somebody has uh, given you a, a, a desire to see a great movie they've talked about, but you're not sure where it plays and what time it's showing, and you wish, while you're out on the road, you had a way of knowing. Well, thanks to the kind folks at Apple and Google there is an app for that. Some genius someplace has created a tiny little software application that gives you all of the practical help that you may need on so many important issues, and it's right here on your little handheld device. Wouldn't it be great if it worked this way with life's larger issues and opportunities. Have you ever thought about that? Wouldn't that be great? When you're stymied by a a difficult relationship, for example, or by a recurring emotional pattern in yourself that you're not sure what to do about. When you're faced with a particular problem many times over the course of the years, but you just can't see how you can beat it. When there's a challenge out in the world, and you know you're meant to get engaged in that particular place, but you're, you're not sure how to go about that, where, where is the app for that? Where's the app for that? Well, the answer, I believe, is right here in this little handheld device. Maybe you've seen somebody using one from time to time, on the train or at a restaurant or someplace in your home. It's cheaper, actually, this one, than this one. This one never runs out of juice. If you drop it in the toilet, this one keeps on working. And you can page, you can keep flicking through the the pages of this amazing little device and find practical help with thousands of life's problems and opportunities. The manufacturer of this device is an incomparable genius when compared to the one who made this one. And his company is the oldest... And the most successful in the entire world. And his software has never crashed. And it never requires an update. We just have to put this one down and take this one up and really use it. Although I'll confess, I now have this one on this one. Which is, which is convenient. Well, this is what I want to invite you to do with me as we start this new year together. I'm going to invite you over these next several weeks to explore with me some of the helpful applications the Bible provides for some of the most recurring issues that many of us face. In fact, I've gone about a lot of time over these past weeks asking individuals and groups, what are the questions, the struggles, the the practical needs for which you were wish there was a biblical app for that. And the first of the topics that I want to explore is expressed by people i found over these months in the form of questions like these. How do I figure out my purpose in life? I'm going through a change. I'm heading into a new season. I've been thrown out of where I was. How do I figure out my purpose in life? What is my calling? What is the cosmic plan for me? And how do I go about discerning this? Is there an app for that? People frequently wonder. I don't know if you have had those particular questions on your mind, but I will confess to you that that anxiety about purpose has haunted me at various stages of my life. I think back to my high school years. I'm back in the high school years now with my own kids. And I think of the college application process and how stressful that was for me as it is, I think, for so many kids. I had this feeling that, that in order to get to the place I was supposed to go in life, I had to get into the right college. When I arrived at college, my thoughts turned to selecting the right major. When I was coming out of college, my anxiety turned to choosing the right career. Later on, my thoughts swirled around finding the right job or or the right marriage partner or the right place to live and then the right place to raise a family. In fact, that's how we came to be here. And then the questions became ones like this. Is this the right church for me? Is it right for me to stay even though I can tell they are getting really tired of me? Will I choose the right time and the right place to retire? What are the right hobbies and the right volunteer activities that I should pursue after I eventually redeploy? And where is the right spot for me to be buried someday? Am I right that you think this is a little neurotic? (laughs) But does it sound a little familiar? A lot of us struggle with purpose. Uh, A lot of us wonder what that right course is for our lives. And we have this nagging sense in many cases that if we don't find the right path, the right way, the right groove, that somehow our life won't turn out the way it's, it's supposed to. The Bible certainly makes it clear that we're meant to be thoughtful about how we spend our lives. In his great letter to the Christians in cosmopolitan Ephesus, the Chicago of its day, the Apostle Paul wrote these words long ago. Be very careful, then, how you live, says the Apostle. Be careful how you live, very careful... How you live, not as unwise, but as wise people. Making the most of every opportunity. Because the days are evil. Therefore, don't be foolish, says Paul, but understand, never stop seeking to understand what the Lord's will is. Paul was implying to us here that if we're not very careful, there is a lot about this world that could lead us off track. There are many influences and pulls and pushes that could take us in all kinds of different directions, some that would lead us to despair or destruction or just distraction. We can easily miss the great opportunities that are our there if we're not careful. We can get so caught up in the little stuff, the trivia of life, and miss out on the huge gifts and, and, and chances that life offers to us if we just stay awake to them. And so we just can't let ourselves be swept along by life's currents, by the circumstances that come at us, by cultural fashions. We have to be more purposeful. For a lot of us, however, the pursuit of that purpose gets very confusing. That's why people are interested in this question. The thought of our purpose becomes wrapped up in thoughts of where we'll go next or what we'll achieve next or with whom we'll hang out next to maximize, to optimize our potential. And the Madison Avenue and the Hollywood revenue machines that are always turning even on Sunday mornings now, always at work, are constantly stoking this uncertainty, this restlessness we feel about purpose. They peddle this hope that if we just buy this product or if we just have this experience, then our lives are going to be filled with a new sense, a better sense of purpose and meaning and significance. And so we think like no People on earth have ever thought about changing things all the time. Go back and talk to your grandparents and ask them how often they thought about making radical shifts in their life. And yet, for us, this is native to us now. We think about changing partners. We think about changing locations. We think about changing jobs. We always are changing channels. And no matter where we are, we're always changing moved by this anxiety that maybe we're not where we should be. And so stay-at-home parents and church pastors dream of being out in the marketplace. And people out in the marketplace dream of being stay-at-home parents. And maybe the crazy ones, pastors. We buy this idea that there's this perfect destination out there there's this greater groove someplace over the next hill there's some better occupation a way out there someplace which if we could just find it would give our lives more purpose when it comes to defining purpose the world furnishes a lot of apps You will fulfill your purpose if you fulfill your bodily desires. You will fulfill your purpose if you have more and better stuff. You will fulfill your purpose if you gain more control. You will fulfill your purpose with this app and that app. But what does this device say about that? I went back this week and I, I searched the book for the word purpose. I confess I used a computer to do it. It's a great app I have on that computer. And what I found as I searched on the word purpose in the Bible frankly surprised me, and I'm not just being coy, this is not a device here, I'm telling you the truth, I was shocked by what I discovered in the course of my study, and it forced a change in the way I was going to come at this message. You see, I wanted to come here this morning and give you seven habits of highly purposeful people, right? I I was looking for some really... um, usable, how-to-find-your-purpose-in-life principles. Uh, and, and yet, when I searched on the word purpose, I found that when the Bible refers to human purpose, it almost always defines it in terms of the purposes of God. In fact, it doesn't really discuss those two things very separately. The purposes of God are the key to human purpose, is what I found as I studied the scriptures. Let me give you some examples. Acts chapter 13 sums up the significance of the life of King David. And you've got to remember now, David was an enormously, influential, one of the great rulers of history. He expanded an empire. He uh, He overcame tremendous obstacles in other armies. He built up massive wealth. He had dark sides too, as you know. He fell into sin with Bathsheba. He he didn't manage his own household very well and had a rebellious son. He had tremendous tragedies in his life, but he also exhibited an amazing walk with God and an awful lot of faithfulness, and in many ways, he put a lot of things right. Yet this is how the Bible describes, sums up David, When David had served God's purpose in his own generation, he fell asleep and was buried with his fathers. What would it look like for you to fulfill God's purpose in your generation? Or consider what Romans 8 says, and we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him who have been called according to his purpose. What it is saying is that in all things, in the confusing times, in the messy moments, in those seasons when it seems like chaos is reigning and and it's not working out and there's no purpose to it all, God is working out, his purposes for those who love him and who are responding, still open to his calling. That was reassuring to me. Therefore, dear friends, Paul writes in Philippians chapter 2, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. That was a wake-up call. To know God doesn't mean that we uh, suddenly get peace and tranquility everywhere. This life, the Bible is saying, is going to always have a certain measure of fear and trembling to it as we work things out, as we find our way along the journey. But remember, it is God who works in you to will and to act according to his purpose, his good purpose, the Bible says. Then, in Galatians chapter 4, Paul writes these words. It's fine to be zealous provided the purpose is good. The Bible is saying that that, um, all purposes are not equal. All of the ways that we might spend our energy or people do use their energy in our society are not of equal value. It is okay to be zealous, provided the purpose is good. And then he continues on in Second Thessalonians, with this in mind, we constantly pray for you that our God may count you worthy of his calling, which is to say that our God may find you responsive to his calling, and that by his power, he may fulfill every good purpose of yours and every act prompted by your faith in him, and we pray this, So that the name of our Lord Jesus may be glorified in you. The goal, the purpose, is that he be glorified through you. And you find your purpose in him. Now, are you seeing how this way of talking about purpose differs from the way it gets discussed in most of the rest of our world. Have you you picked this up as I've been uh, describing these texts here? The, The Bible is saying, I think, that the question that I and many other people typically ask about purpose is actually the secondary one. It's not an unimportant one. It's just the secondary one. You see, from high school, as I've confessed, all the way to the grave, we are obsessed with the question, with asking, how do I figure out my purpose in life? That's the question. People are asking all the time, how do I figure out my purpose in life? So that I can take the right step out there. But the Bible suggests that the far more fruitful question, the first one we ought to be asking, is how do I figure out God's purposes so I can serve him right here? We're always out there looking to find that slot out there when God is saying, discover my purposes so you can serve me right where you are. Focus on that second question, and your life will gain more meaning, have greater significance, than you will find by a hundred years of the kind of navel-gazing that is commonplace in our day. If you want some practical help with this different focus... I have two recommendations for you, and I want to just throw these out before I let you go this morning. And the first one is an encouragement to take some time this month to pick up a copy and read one of the following three books. I want to encourage you to consider getting a hold of Reggie McNeil's Get a Life. And I've told you that Reggie McNeil is... is, is what you would get if you crossed the Apostle Peter with Robin Williams. He's, he's proof that God can work through, through ADD as a spiritual gift. You've heard him, some of you speak. He's written a wonderful book. It's a very practical book called Get a Life. And it's written actually for secular audiences, though it has some punch at the end. It's a book that you could um, pass on to friends and neighbors and others It would be a book that you'd find very helpful because it asks some very important questions about discerning purpose and how your purpose aligns with God's. Um, Or you might want to pick up Rick Warren's uh, enormously successful, popular, purpose-driven life instead. There is a reason why next to this book, The Purpose-Driven Life is the best-selling book in history. There is a reason for it. Warren has boiled down in very understandable terms, the purposes of God as they intersect with, with human purpose. Or if you're ready for a, a chewier read, a meatier treatment of the subject of God's purpose, then read Chuck Colson's The Good Life. Chuck is as close to the Apostle Paul as we have in the 21st century. He's a man who's been at the heights of power and at the, in the dregs of prison and has learned a lot of lessons in that gap uh, in between and What he says in this book is very thought-provoking and will be helpful to you. There is, however, a second recommendation that, that I have for you this morning that's even more direct. I urge you to consider carefully what God has already told us about his plan for our lives. Many, many years ago, the prophet Micah stood before the people of Israel, at a time when they had lost a clear sense of individual or national purpose. He saw a society that no longer cared, really, about what was just or right in any kind of absolute sense. God had given to Israel a definitive set of moral codes. He had laid out for them a certain set of, of basic principles and practices that were to guide their way of relating to each other across class lines and racial lines and cultural and gender lines. God had provided them with guidance on on how to steward resources and care for the world in order to advance the good of all people. God had given them These just principles. But now, at the time Micah was alive, it was increasingly every person for themselves. More and more people were just defining right and justice in their own uh, personal terms. And it was having disastrous consequences on both the lives of individuals and that of the society at large. Alongside of this, Micah could see how mercilessly hard-hearted people were becoming. Um, Compassion had been a core value. In ancient Israel, love God, love neighbor. This was the essence, the great commandment that God had given uh, to his people. But now, Micah saw charity and civility towards other people going out the window. uh, Just constantly declining and decaying. People were so harsh towards members of their own family, much less strangers and, and neighbors. And Micah could also see the spiritual crisis that was at the the root of this decline in mercy and this decline in a sense of just action. He saw a nation that still had all the trappings of religion, mind you, but which had forsaken the intimate, daily, knee-bowing relationship with the living God that is necessary to real spiritual power or clarity of purpose. And so Micah dared to ask Israel a very penetrating question. And he did this on behalf of God, and this is what he said. What does the Lord require of you? He asked. What does the Lord require of you? In other words, what is the purpose of, For which he has created you, for which he's putting his hope in you. What is that? Micah is asking. What are the particular priorities or those practices that must become primary for you if you long for a life that is good, truly good? What is that? Micah asks. And it's the ultimate question, I think. It really is. The question is not what do we wish for, not what do others tell us to go after, but what does God want? What does God, who is wise and good and loving and just and merciful and sufficient and trustworthy and all those things we talked about last fall, what does this God know that we should also want? What is that? How would you answer that question? how would you summarize the plan of God for the good of man? Jesus came to earth to model the plan for us. And Micah distilled it down like this for us. He has shown you, O man, what is good and what the lord requires of you you were created he writes to act justly to love mercy and to walk humbly with your god and the with your god goes with all three of those statements we act justly with god because he is just we Love mercy because God's about mercy. And we walk humbly because we need him and because we revere him. The question I want to pose for you is what might it look like to live more fully into that purpose for your life and mine in this year ahead? Maybe you've been using your body or you have been abusing somebody else's body or you have been ignoring or maybe actively defying God's commandments in a way that simply isn't right. It isn't just. It isn't lined up with what is good. Maybe that's true of your life in some way. You you know maybe that you've been called to use your time and your talent and your treasure to advance the kingdom of God, but you've been focused too much on building up your own smaller kingdom. But it's a new day now. It's a new year now. Resolve that going forward, going from here, whatever that zone of need and problem is, you're going to act justly in that area. Make that decision today. You can. And God will help you carry it out. Or perhaps you've been way too hard on somebody. You've been very demanding, unyielding in your expectations towards a particular family member or a a co-worker or somebody else you know. Maybe you've written off somebody in your church in your neighborhood, in your workplace, or the wider society, maybe you've written off a whole class of people. You've judged them, you've condemned them, you've regarded them as worthless. You have not been willing to give them anything like the kind of patience and kindness that God has shown you and me every nanosecond of our lives. Resolve today. You're going to love mercy much more in this year ahead. Or maybe it's actually your relationship with God that's in the most significant state of disrepair. You've been pounding along on your own. (laughs) You have very pridefully, frankly, been sure... That, that yours is the way and you've been following just your agenda you have been giving God occasional lip service a little butt service now and then in a pew maybe you've done very little to actually keep the connection with him going and on a daily basis between Sundays and then you've gotten kind of ticked off when tough times come and he doesn't sort things out and he doesn't bail you out as you feel like he ought to Resolved today that from now on you are going to walk humbly because He is God. I think that if you read one of the books I've suggested you're going to find it helps you to personalize this. It's going to really bring it home, into your, bring it down to the ground of your life in a wonderful way. But I think if you never picked up one of those books, you'd still have the big ideas you need. Wherever you end up going to school, talking to the younger ones in our circle, whatever college you go to, wherever you happen to live, whatever job you have or role you play after retirement, whoever you meet in daily life, your enduring focus is going to always be the same. They can take everything from you. This will always be the same for you. Wherever you are, you know your purpose is to act justly. And to love and embody mercy. And to walk humbly with your God. Because when it comes to figuring out and living out your purpose in life, that's the app for that. Amen.